the War Nomads podcast. It's not your usual travel podcast. It's everything for the adventurous independent traveler. Welcome to our podcast delivered by World Nomads, the travel lifestyle and insurance brand covering more than half a million travellers. It's always nice to be with you. My name is Kim. And I'm Phil. And in our 10th episode of the World Nomads podcast, we are focusing on the United States of America, the third most populous country in the world and also one of the world's mega diverse countries given its geography, climate and wildlife. And New York is the largest city in the US by population, which is why it is a never-ending sourceville of stories for a podcast called The Bowery Boys, in which they explore the history, the buildings, the streets, the landmarks and, of course, the characters. We're going to speak to one of the guys behind that podcast, Tom Myers. And Christina Tunner, head of the Americas for World Nomads, she will join us here in the studio to chat about her hometown, cowboys and America's growing artisan culture. Also in this episode, Embracing the Kitchen, America's South, and we check in with our travel scholarship mentor, a man you're in love with, Tim Neville. (laughs) (laughs) But before all that, let's get your quiz question. Okay, this is a bit of a mind bender. Are you ready? Where in the world will you find the largest island in a lake? On an island in a lake. On an island. (laughs) Say that again. An island in a lake. On an island in a lake. On an island. That's like a Tadakan. <laughs> the Tadakan of geography. We'll, Where is it? We'll find out at the end of the episode. Well, podcasting and podcast consumption is huge in the US. Greg Young and Tom Myers recorded the Bowery Boys podcast in 2007. We've only just kicked ours off in 2017. Telling fascinating stories about New York. The opening day of the New York City subway. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Hey, it's the Bowery Boys. Hey. Hi there, welcome to the Bowery Boys. This is Greg Young. And this is Tom Myers. Last week, we visited a virtual Underground Railroad, Tom. Yes, we did. And so for this week's show, we're going to visit the actual Underground Railroad. That is the epic symbol of New York City itself, our world-famous subway system. So there's a there's a snippet of the Barry Boys podcast. They've even written a book, Adventures of Old New York, which is an unconventional exploration of Manhattan's historic neighbourhoods, secret spots and colourful characters. We've got Tom via Skype. Welcome to our podcast, Tom. <laughs> Thank you. It's so great to be here. Now tell me, how did you get into and how many episodes of the Bowery Boys have you created so far? 2007 is a long time ago. It is a long time ago. Um, well... You know, I just heard that little snippet, it sounds like, of our most recent show, which is episode 253. Wow. So, yeah. Um, And those are mostly hour-long shows. So if you like it, you can really listen to it nonstop for like four weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll put that on my to-do list. (laughs) Um, But we got into it rather accidentally. Um, Greg is just, you know, an old friend of mine. We had both moved to New York the same year in 1993. Um and like you said, about 10, 11 years ago, in 2007, he just came over to my house, uh, my apartment, which is in the Lower East Side, um, next to Bowery, the street. And uh, he had gotten a new Mac, and the Mac, the Mac um, laptop had GarageBand, uh, the program, sort yep. of already installed on it. And one of the things you could do with GarageBand was make a podcast. And we were like, hey, let's try this out. And I just happened to have a karaoke microphone. Uh, hey, you know, wait a minute. There's a backstory. <laughs> totally. <laughs> we don't have that long. Um, but uh, yeah, we just sort of plugged it in. We're like, oh, let's try this out. What should we talk about? And 
we looked out the window and I, you know, on the Lower East Side at the corner of Essex and Canal, we were like, oh, there must be a story behind the name Canal Street. And so with a little bit of research, then we just started recording a history of Canal Street. And then we were off. That must take an incredible amount of research, though. Not that first episode, (laughs) 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 Um, which is why it's no longer available. Our podcast is about travel. The world is a very big place. You've honed in on, on one place. How many stories are there in New York? Well, that's the fortunate thing with having New York as your sort of, you know, uh, as your focus, because there are an unlimited number of stories. So what's your favorite, your personal favorite New York story? Whoa. I mean, that is a loaded question. (laughs) Um, I'm always drawn to theater history. Um, And probably every year or so we kind of do, usually around like the holidays, we'll do some kind of history that ties in with Broadway or with performance. Uh, we just did a, um, a history of Rodgers and Hammerstein on Broadway. Um, they kind of like, you know, produce many of the great hits of the quote unquote golden age of Broadway. Um, and that, you know, Broadway is so quintessentially New York too. Can we get you to play tour guide for um, the listeners f- uh, to our <laughs> podcast? All right. And, you know, you come to New York, you've got to do the, you know, the iconic things. And mm-hmm. they are amazing. I love, I love going to New York. It's such an exciting place. But if you wanted to, you know, get help somebody get under the skin of New York and go see bits that they may, may not be normally exposed to, where would you send them? I would first send them to a licensed tour guide. And I know that that's kind of like a cheeky answer, but um, there are so many different tour guides in New York, obviously. Um, but there are also, you know, to be a real New York tour guide, you have to be licensed. You have to pass a test and you have to know all these different answers um to all kinds of aspects of the city's history so those are easy to find fortunately um and many of them belong to associations like gannick which is is the guides association of new york city um but you know these people are living and breathing history and taking a walking tour or a bus tour if you're not able to actually take a walking tour with somebody who really knows what they're talking about i think is really a fabulous experience i really like walking tours i like the kind of grungy side of new york if someone was into sort of the street art side where would you send them you know um the area around penn station if we're just sticking to manhattan for a second um is really like i think it's overlooked often and underrated because it's not flashy at all you know it's kind it's like gritty in the way that new york was gritty in the 70s and 80s but there are still some blocks many blocks um that are the old garment district uh you can still find like you know stores that sell buttons and zippers and like funny little oddball things and accessories uh that you'll look at and be like i can't believe they have a a store that just sells you know sequins but there it is just sequins you know and and even aside from the the stores like many of the buildings are still they're kind of gritty and and grimy in a way that i remember the city being when i first moved here and so many of those places have been ripped down um and replaced by like luxury condos you know because of course new york is going through that cycle so um it's it's good to like try to hunt those places down and even if you can support them while they're still around 
Before we let you go, what's your favourite karaoke song? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you're going to make fun of me. No, I, no, I, I love no, karaoke. Come on. Mine is Bonnie Tyler, Turn, Abra- Turn Around Bright Eyes, or Bright Eyes. Um, well, so I have two, either Bicycle Race from Queen, oh, yeah. or it depends on the crowd. Um, you know, I you know that I'm into theater, so I like to um, get into a little Sondheim sometimes, and I find that the song Comedy Tonight from um, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, it always brings down the house. <laughs> now, tell me, you've been, there's that bar, it's in the village, where all the guys go, it's a gay bar, all the guys go, and there's, like, impromptu singing? Uh, I think you're talking about Marie's Crisis, Ma- which that's might the- just be... My favorite bar in the entire. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I've been taken there. That is an awesome night out. That is, yeah. I have, uh, I've closed that place down at four. <laughs> <laughs> it was so great to chat to you, and obviously we'll put some links in our show notes to the Bowery Boys podcast. And congratulations, you're a new father as well. That's fantastic. Well done. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoyed it. That's Tom Myers from the Bowery Boys podcast. Still to come, embracing the kitsch in America's South. We've got an opportunity uh, right now, whilst we're talking about the USA, because uh, we've had her on the program before, but the World Nomads General Manager for the Americas, Christina Tunner, is in World Nomads headquarters here in Sydney. So we've got her in the studio. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Now, listen, like, last time we spoke to you, we, we were talking about you know, loving places to death, and you said you've got to you know, like, let go of the bucket list, basically, because mm. that's like... It's you've got to start looking for things outside of that. And I remember the comment you actually said, if you like wine and cheese, then basically any village in France will do you. Yeah. So, you know, but let's talk about the USA. Okay, you've got to tick off those things. You've got to go to New York. It's fantastic. You've got to go to San Francisco. You've got to do those sorts of things. Aren't you even planning Disneyland? Yeah, because I've got kids but under protest. <laughs> All right, give me a break. Let's talk about where you live for a start. Mm-hmm. You're in East Bay, San Francisco. I am, Berkeley. Berkeley. People's uh, Republic. Sure. Okay, but it's not really on the tourist trail, is it? Uh, no, well, yeah, no, not really. I mean, if you read any guidebook on San Francisco, very few will tell you to see what's going on in Oakland and, and Berkeley. But I think more and more, if you have a special interest, like if you're into food or if you're into skateboarding or into hiking, then you'll know that these are the places that you're going to want to go to. So Oakland is on fire. Scads of restaurants opening up, uh, microbreweries, cideries, coffee shops coffee roasteries it's it's fantastic yeah it's really great now touching on that the micro breweries and you featured again well actually christine has been on a couple of the podcasts it was the christmas episode when you talked about bees in brooklyn (laughs) (laughs) and we've had a further conversation about there's actually this sort of growing artisan culture Mm -hmm. uh, in the u.s yeah no it's huge um I, i think you'd be really hard pushed to go anywhere in the u.s where there isn't that element where you can source artisan foods cheeses wines liquors anything like that like the, the brooklyn one was the um well there's always you know the microbreweries but the bee yeah. keepers on the rooftops where um in industrial city or city of industry city icc um is a little suburb area in brooklyn where you could go and see all these artisans making the chocolate or the bees and the bees uh, the honey is made from different hives that are placed all over manhattan well actually the five boroughs and they get the you know they get the combs and they manufacture the honey and it's they 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 sell it in these sort of test tube 
little things and every batch is going to be different because of course bees are spitting out what they're taking in and sometimes what they're taking in could be like really odd red colored things and they had this one honey one year where it was bright red and they couldn't figure out why honey was red and it was because right next to the beehive building was a maraschino factory (laughs) and so the bees were you know hanging out by the sweet stuff outside the factory and then of course you know out they spit some red stuff. Yeah, I mean, the big centres are San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York. Give me something, uh, you know, California-wise, what else have we got there? Um, well, actually, some really cute agricultural. You know, California, People don't think about this with Californians, but um, it, there's a lot of cowboy culture. Um, so you go further up north, there'd be a lot of outposts that are very much, they're driving their cattle ranchers, driving the... the uh, the herds through the great expanses of, of Northern California, and of course that bleeds into Nevada. And uh, every year in January is the Cowboy Gathering, and it's uh, the official name I, I'm, I'm butchering, but it's the week where cowboys from all over the country come, and is they it do the poetry. Bro- the Brokeback Weekend? It's the National Cowboy Poetry Gathering, and it takes place in Elko, Nevada. Um, you know, it's, it's poetry, but it's also um, music, seminars, and workshops, and you can go and learn how to make um, cowboy hats. You can learn how to do uh, rawhide braiding. You can learn how to fix your spurs. Um, it's just amazing. It's a gem in the calendar for visiting California and, and incorporating Nevada and a bit of that Americana. But cowboys and poetry? Yes, because they have a lot of spare time. They spend all their time out, as Phil clearly knows, <laughs> from his single source of one film, um, that you know they spend a lot of time out in the range. And so they entertain themselves around the campfire with stories and um, they create poetry, and they have a lot of time to reflect when it's off-season. So when it's winter, cool. that's the time that they're not out grazing and, and running their, their herds. And so it's a really, really strong tradition, and it's just a magical, magical gem. So when people are thinking about coming to San Francisco, you know, don't just come in the summer when it's actually really cold. Um, maybe come in the winter and do a bit of skiing in Tahoe. Go to the Elko, the you know the, the yeah. cowboy gathering, and it's really a fantastic trip just therein. Northern California, another great example of there's a whole volcano trail. Volcanoes, California. Who knew? Exactly. Yeah, my eyes have exactly. My, my eyes right? have popped. So no. it's it's um, you know it, again I can't emphasize enough. Get off that beaten path. And while I agree, there's some amazing things to see in these iconic places, but please go to Northern California and hop in a car and take that little right right turn off of weed which is ironic because now it's legal, but weed California. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and all up that road going up through Klamath Falls, up through Bend, Oregon, over and up into the state of Washington, and then you cut back into, into Seattle, is ringed by volcanoes. And even wow. in the middle of summer, they still have snow cap. On the, it's just stunning, stunning stuff. And nary a tourist bus will you find there. Before we let you go, this is your opportunity to spruik those places. Is there anything else on your list there that you have in front of you well, that you'd like to share? I just, you know, there's just so many different things around, you know, it depends what you like. Um, you know, if you're into a bit of Americana, then I am a big fan of the Sturgis Motorcycle gathering in um south dakota which happens every year and that's uh it's where all the motorbikers come and it's they're you know driving harleys and indians and all kinds of imports and that's a cultural event that you could incorporate with visiting devil's devil's tower devil's monument um mount rushmore so there's a lot of things that you can cluster together the harley museum is in 
in uh, Milwaukee, so you can really combine great stuff in little pockets of I mean, with the fermentation festival. You know, there's great stuff that you can do there. There's Vermont and New England. Um, I'm a big fan of music as a motivator to travel, and a great one to consider is Galax, Virginia, which is the old Fiddler's Convention. The old Fiddler's The old convention. Fiddler's Convention. And it's, um, again, you know, a week worth of people doing a competition for money. And they're doing it on playing things like the dobro and mandolin wow. and fiddles. And they have flat shoe dancing. And it's outdoor. And you can camp or you can stay in one of the nearby hotels. But it's out in the middle of the, you know, the Blue Ridge Mountains. And it's just Americana. And Sounds it's great. Cool. And no one goes there but real people. <laughs> real people. Real, real people. people. That's, that's the, we're real people, aren't we? Phil? We're real people. Yeah. Yes, I'm an old fiddler myself. <laughs> Oh, well, verb, verb more than noun. <laughs> hey, it's awesome to see you down here in uh, World Nomads headquarters, and great yeah. to have you on the show again. Oh, thanks for having me. Time to check in with our World Nomads, and in this episode, it's a little different, Phil. It's good to mix things up a bit, isn't it? Our partnerships performance manager, Seb, or Sebastian, is spending some time in South America, and he met an American traveller in Santiago. Have I said that correctly? <laughs> Why not? Why not? San- I'm sure it's Santiago. Santiago, <laughs> who's a first-time well-known Meds customer, and he caught up with her. Hi, guys. This is Sebastian from World Nomads, uh, and I'm here with a fellow World Nomads. We've got Morgan from the USA. Say hi, Morgan. Hi, how's it going? Um, Morgan, if you can tell us where you've travelled to and where you're going next. So right now I'm travelling through South America. I started in Cartagena, Colombia, and I've just kind of been making my way down. So I went to Bogota, Colombia, and then... um, Arequipa, Peru, Puno, Peru, La Paz, Bolivia, Uyuni, and I've just been working my way down, and I also hiked Patagonia in the southern part of Chile, went to Santiago, and now I'm here in Rio for um, Carnival. I think the best thing about traveling is meeting new people and kind of getting a new perception. There are a lot of things that I immediately assume, especially when I'm in the United States and I hear you know, certain things from the media, um, and traveling to different places and actually experiencing it firsthand is really nice. So like I heard... Columbia was super dangerous, but then I went there and everything, everybody was so nice and the culture was so rich. And I think that it's really important to experience things firsthand. After Rio, I'm going to Sao Paulo because that's just like in my trip right now. I don't know. I really like South America. So just any any city is good, is good for me. Um, I'm really excited to explore Brazil a little bit more. Morgan, I know you're 21, but <laughs> what advice would you give to your younger self? To not get too caught up in the plan of things. So one of the biggest things that I've regretted about this trip is I wanted to see everything in a very short amount of time. So I planned everything. I planned flights. I planned, you know, where I was going to be at what time. And I feel the best, most authentic form of travel is to just go and begin and then go wherever the world takes you because I've met really great people going to really cool places and I would have loved to join them, but I wasn't able to because I planned it. And outside of a concept of just traveling, I think that's a good approach to life because I'm in college right now and I think that I'm always forced to kind of have a plan for what I want to do next, but life doesn't work out that way and it's better to experience what's around you and what's in front of you. Caroline Eubanks is a blogger and World Nomads contributor. In fact, she wrote an article for us called Southern USA, Seven Tips for the First Time Visitor, in which she says, while many people visit the United States every year, most travellers hit the big three, Los Angeles, Las Vegas and New York, and they rarely stray from that path, making the southern United States 
off the beaten track by default. Is that correct, Carol? Yeah, I mean, and even in the South, there's so many places that people visit a lot. They go to Nashville, they go to New Orleans um, and Charleston, and there's so much more to see even beyond that that I've found. So give us an example then. Okay, so, you know, music fans, they've probably heard of Nashville and Memphis, but Clarksdale, Mississippi is somewhere that's really important for blues music. It's it's where you go to these hole-in-the-wall blues clubs, you know, it's where all this music history has come from, and it's somewhere that you really have to go out of your way to visit. It is a bit of a drive from Memphis and definitely requires a car, but it's very well worth the trip. Isn't this the place where Morgan Freeman lives? Doesn't he? It is. Yes. (laughs) I I just pulled that one out of nowhere. Who on earth knows that unless you're stalking him? Seriously. (laughs) So he actually co-owns a blues club there that you can visit. It's called Ground Zero Blues Club. Um, And that's because Clarksdale's known as Ground Zero of the Blues. It's it's a great place to catch uh, a live music act. They actually have an apartment above it that you can stay in. They have amazing food. It's it's a great place to visit. Now, touching on the food, we spoke with uh, Christina Tanner, who is World Nomads Head of uh, the Americas. She mentioned a lot of this new sort of um, artisan culture that's creeping into the US. So the craft beers and cheeses. And if you go to the South, you reckon you leave your diet at home because if you don't... Yeah, <laughs> something that's loaded with carbs, then you're not experiencing yeah. the South correctly. Yeah, I mean, it, you can definitely find healthier options everywhere. I mean, it it is a fairly diverse place. So the traditional Southern dishes are heartier because it's a place where people traditionally worked outside all day and they needed things to keep up their energy um, for long days at work. So that's why you'll find a lot of the you know, the fried chicken and the macaroni and cheese and the the really good stuff with all the good butter. Oh, <laughs> I love the good butter. Now, in the article that you wrote for World Nomads, and again, we'll share it in the show notes, you, you said embrace the kitsch. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so there's, like any great road trip destination, there's some really kind of wacky, you know, museums and festivals and so i i forget where i read about it but i think in kentucky maybe there's a ventriloquist museum (laughs) there's also a museum yes that's that's a real thing i'm not sure why i laughed (laughs) i don't i think she's i mean i think she's playing for dummies right (laughs) this is this is oh that's good no yeah there's also a museum where um someone has built it's it's an Elvis museum, but this woman has purchased a wart that Elvis had burned off. <laughs> She's got it in a little case that you can go visit. It's it's really some wacky wacky stuff. Well, um, it's wacky. So, some great museums. I have to go and, there. Uh, by the way, that sounds awesome. Oh, yeah. it gets yeah. wacky in Georgia too. Apparently, they've got a Kentucky Fried Chicken built into the shape of a chicken with moving beak and yes. eyes. Yes, that's actually my hometown's claim to fame. That's where I live. Um, and they actually just remodeled it, so it's in great working shape. <laughs> so you do. You're right. You're, you're absolutely right. You have to check these things out. You couldn't. You, well, you've written about it, but until yeah. you see it, we don't have like the world's largest ball of twine that you might see in some of the, you know, random Midwestern states and stuff. But we've got some some weird stuff as well. Um, I wanted to also ask you about the history. 
there's so much of that. Um, since, you know, the founding of the United States was on the East Coast, you know, it was Virginia, it was North Carolina, it was these states that are in the traditional South. So they've they've been there for a long time. I mean, there are, there are settlements you can visit. You can visit the landing site where, you know, people came over on the boats from England. You can kind of see where they've reconstructed a lot of these forts and, and things like that. There's still houses that are from before the Civil War. I mean, really... We try to hold on to a lot of old stuff. Uh, I, I'm always interested in, uh, you know, talking about whether a place is safe to go to as well. I mean, there's always the wrong side of the tracks and what have you, but generally, uh, you know, the, you don't really have to worry about it too much throughout the South? Yeah, I mean, obviously, big cities, everywhere has crime to some degree, but I I feel like it's, it's a fairly safe place for visitors. Well, thank you so much for having a chat and uh, being part of the episode on the USA. Thank you so much. We'll have links to Carolyn's blog and the article she wrote for us in show notes. Still to come, thinking of applying for the World Nomads Writing Scholarship, we will hear from mentor Tim Neville. But now, Phil, what's happening in travel news? Maya Beach on Koh Phi Phi in Thailand is to close for three months because of over-tourism. The Beach, that's an in inverted commas, made famous for being the setting of The Beach, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, is being literally loved to death. And as we write in the World Nomads Guide to CoPP, links in the show notes, the cynics among us might suggest promises of snorkelling among abundant coral fish on your own deserted beach, the one where they filmed the beach, are an exaggeration. But loads of rubbish and hordes of day-trippers snorkelling en masse and scaring off the fish is the truth that doesn't sell boat trips to the place. so disappointing. I know. Look, Leo lived there in isolation with his little group, but the real beach gets 5,000 visitors a day. That's um, incredible. I know. And the pictures that you can see from that are just stunning. It's like it's busier than any beach you see anywhere in the world. It's crazy. Anyway, they're going to close it. The authorities are going to close it down for three months, but in the low season when nobody goes anyway, <laughs> and then it's open again in the high season. I don't know if the coral's going to be able to rejuvenate in three months, but at least it's a step in the right direction. Exactly. The CEO of travel company Intrepid has released a statement explaining why his company doesn't believe in travel boycotts. We've addressed this a few times, right? Yeah. Uh, James Thornton says uh, Intrepid has come to realise that they don't believe in travel boycotts boycotts for these reasons. They're a global company travelling to more than 120 destinations. Uh, Even good countries like Australia and the United States have some terrible human rights records or engage in controversial activities. If we were to boycott every country with a law or activity that someone at Intrepid disagreed with, there'd be few destinations left for us to go to. Mm -hmm. He also says, while the intention behind a boycott is to do the right thing, the reality is that travel boycotts often impact the wrong people. You've said this. You've said often. Absolutely. And he says, uh, travel has the ability to be a force for good because it connects people, which is why intrepid trips include as much genuine local interaction as possible. And, you know, we've spoken about this, but here at World Nomads, we concur with that one, and I encourage you to read our Boycott or Not piece, which you can find a link to in the show notes. All right. There is no way to get cheap cash while you're overseas. Money exchanges charge hefty premiums for swapping your bills, and banks on both sides of whatever ocean you're on will sting you with fees if you use an ATM. Both sides for the both one sides. transaction. Your bank and the bank that you're using in the foreign country, they both charge you fees, all right? 
but some countries are worse than others, according to a new survey by a bank, which obviously doesn't charge these fees. <laughs> Uh, starting with Chile, where the banks charge $7.93, that's in US dollars, each time you take out money at an ATM. Wow. That's also on the list are Argentina, Fiji, Thailand, that surprises me a bit, uh, the United Arab Emirates, the Czech Republic, which doesn't surprise me, <laughs> Guatemala, and Peru, where you'll pay $5.40 US per transaction. That's a cup of coffee. That's a cup of coffee. Uh, Virgin boss Richard Branson is predicting the return of supersonic flight and he says it promises to transform travel. His vested interest, of course, because he's got the Virgin Galactic thing and that's well advanced. But still, New York to London in three hours? Yeah, that's not bad, is it? Pretty good. Mate, if it was affordable, um, you know... I'd probably give it a go for the amount of time you spend in the air, especially here from Australia. We spend a lot of time in the air. But my problem with that is I think it will make, you know, you've got to check in pre-departure three hours before you fly. That's going to make that the longest part of the trip. Are you serious? It will be. Three hours, Well, if it's, you know, three hours London to New York, but you've got to check in three hours beforehand. So straight up you're three hours in debt and you've got three hours in the flight. And then Three an hour to go through customs. I know. Yeah. Anyway, can we get Sounds good. Can we get supersonic check in? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Belgian man Anthony Batal has hit on a great budget travel idea. And yes, that's a pun that I intended to make, which I'll I make. I didn't clear. get it. He's hit on an idea. Okay. He travels around Europe and arranges his accommodation using Tinder. Ah! Get Very it? <laughs> good. Very good. Yeah, he lines up a date in every city before he goes there. That's creepy. So far, he's used this technique to visit 20 cities in eight different countries around Europe. And yes, he admits, sometimes there's sex involved. But can I point out, he's 25 and he's got a six-pack bigger than the ones I drink. <laughs> he's quite good looking. All okay. Right? Hmm. But he also sounds like a bit of a prat, I have to say. He says he used to only stay with women if there was a tin a profile match with him, but after being stuck one night without a roof over his head, he now accepts all requests. <laughs> and he's not very nice about it either, describing one potential host as, this is his words, three out of ten. <laughs> That's a cad. That's that a is, cad. Mate, seriously, you know. That wraps up travel news. Tim Neville is a travel writer of some note. He's freelancers for the New York Times, Financial Times, The Guardian. Honestly, the list goes on. Last month, we launched our travel writing scholarship in which Tim is a mentor. Now, Phil caught up with him to find out what it takes to be a travel writer. Tim Neville, thanks for joining us on the podcast. It's great to have you here. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, the Travel Writing Scholarship is in full swing, and I know people are probably working on their entries right now. Your role in that is as the mentor. What does that mean? What are you going to be doing for people? Uh, Well, it means a lot of fun, first of all, for me. This is something that I really enjoy doing, Um, you know, teaching, helping people, uh, you know, offering tips on how they can, you know, make a go of it as a travel writer. You know, to a lot of people, I think it seems like it's this big, massive mountain, and they don't even know how to begin to, to, uh, to conquer it. And it's actually, um, you know, there is actually a process that you can, can go through. And so my role will be to share with the winners, you know, some of the tips that I've learned along the way, some of the pitfalls, um, you know, and just help them help them figure out how to make sense of, of, of being a travel writer. And then they get to go on their own writing exploration trip around Argentina. That's right. 
Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, so we will all be in Argentina together for a few days, where we will go over some of the fundamentals of writing and, and uh, you know, and some, like I said, some of the tricks that I've learned. But then after that, yeah, they get to go out and explore on their own, and hopefully. Um, see Argentina through the eyes of, of uh, you know, a, a, a trained travel writer. You know, hopefully some of the tips and things I'll give them will help them, you know, when they're out on their on their own exploring to sort of make that transition from from just a traveler to you know a, a, a travel writer. And there is a there is a big um, distinction there. Now, you're saying there's actually a craft uh, to travel writing. So, I mean, a lot of people uh, do their own travel blog or they keep a journal. What is it that they need to do to make that transition from, you know, blogger into a proper travel writing? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that the, the greatest thing they can do, honestly, is just keep at it. There are so many people that, that you know, say, oh, I want to be a travel writer, and they kind of jump in a little bit, they put the toe in, but they don't really, you know, they, or they do a blog, but they don't really, like, give it everything that they have. And that's, that's you know, really what it takes, I think. I think you you have to, like, make a serious go of it, and be ready to, to make some sacrifices to to be able to come out on the other end of that and, and you know, and have the career that, that you know, that, that a lot of people will obviously hold as a dream career. You know, applicants, if you're listening, try to think of, you know, what is your story you know what is the story you're going to tell me you know like a place that has the most garden gnomes of anywhere in the world is not a story your trip to france is not a story your trip to france that when you got lost and uh nearly missed your plane ride home but something magical happened along the way that's a story so think long and hard about what is my story you said sacrifices be prepared to make sacrifices in what way what do you mean well you know it's fun so uh, one of the uh winners from last year helen so she just gave with all of the winners i, I keep in touch with them regularly and, and try to uh, you know help them along the way like i i i, I see this 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 program this, this scholarship as, as not just a you know a four-day event but as a lifelong thing really like i'm here for, for the for them to like bounce ideas off of and get guidance from and so on and so helen wrote me um about a month ago, and she was at this crossroads. You know, she she's from New Zealand, and she had been offered this uh, cushy, well-paying government job. Uh, you know, in a town that she liked, with friends that she liked, and so on. You know, at the same time, she got this offer from uh, the BBC, from a magazine, and you know, in the BBC family. And she would have to move to Bristol. She would be uh, earning peanuts. You know, who knows if she would even have enough to, like, cover her expenses. She didn't know anybody. And she's like, well, what should I do? And, of course, the answer was obvious because, you know, Helen had all this promise and had all this this ambition. I was like, whoa, 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 this is what you want. You told me this over and over again. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to go do that. And she wrote back and she said, yeah, of course I'm going to go do that. I just needed to hear that because it's scary. And it is scary. You know, she turned on a well-paying, sensible government job that would have left her, in her own words, bored to go try to, like, make this, you know, funny career a go. Tim Neville, awesome advice for people who want to get into the scholarship. Thanks very much. Mate, I, I really uh, hope to get... Uh, you back on the podcast after we've picked uh, the winners so we can talk about uh, who they are and uh, what you liked about their writing and what you've got planned for them in Argentina. It'd be great to have you back on if that's all right. I would love that, absolutely. 
and we're really lucky to have Tim on board. Uh, you, in particular, are a big fan of his, so yeah. did you enjoy chatting to him? Oh, I did. It was great. He was such a nice bloke as well. But imagine, you know, um, as he said in the interview, um, you know, it's not a one-off thing. Once you make contact through the scholarship, you're in his Rolodex. He, you can ring him up. Yeah, it's exactly. Awesome. Love it. We'll need the entity quiz question, though, Phil. Okay, where in the world will you find the largest island in a lake on an island in a lake on an island? And the answer is in the Philippines on Luzon Island. All right. There's the first island. You'll find Tal Lake, T W A L, Tal Lake. There's your lake. Within which there's a volcano. So there's the island. Right. The volcano's crater is flooded, so it's a lake. And right there you'll find Vulcan Point sticking up above the water, a little speck of an island in there. So you've got an island Island in a lake on an island in a lake on an island. That's a great quiz question. (laughs) How did you come up with that? Sheer chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Googling. Only you. Only you. Well, that wraps up our episode on the United States of America. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Do you want to chuck any more in there, Phil? I know we're going everywhere uh, these days. Podcast. Uh, yeah, everywhere you want to go. Podbeam, we're on those as well. Yep. Also, you can contact us by emailing podcast at warnomads.com. Now, next episode, where are we off to? Good question, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> Italy. Correct. Thank you. We'll see you there. <laughs> the World Nomads Podcast. Explore your boundaries.